Hello, everybody. It is Maintenance Day. It is, uh, it, it's a little later than normal, Maintenance Day, because uh, yours truly did need a little maintenance uh, of his own. I'll, I'll just I'll just say that much. But uh, but we are here. It, we are keeping up with our weekly standard. Uh, and by we, I mean myself and Lance Lasowski of the Buffalo News, who is, who is here. Hello, Lance. Hello, Joe. Yeah, a little late, but hey, you know what? Maintenance Day... You need them. At, you need them on Mondays. You need them on Tuesdays sometimes, and of course, sometimes you need them on Wednesdays. So here we yeah, are. That's right. You know, it's it. You know, we've made Maintenance Day Monday our thing, and it. You know, Maintenance Day Tuesday is fine because Tuesday is Monday Junior, uh, as far as as far as I'm concerned. Because as bad as Mondays can be, Tuesday usually follows right behind it, being equally terrible. So, uh, but it is not a terrible one this week because we're here. Uh, I want to start off with an apology, not for us missing Monday. If that's, you know, I do apologize for that. That's that, that, that that's on me. My bad. Um, but I want to apologize to uh, Chris Durkin at the at the Buffalo Sabres. He's one of the one of one of the PR mavens with with the Sabres. Uh, got to see him at the hockey night uh, event with the Bisons uh, over the weekend, which was really, really cool turnout. Like it was a crazy turnout. Uh, for fans coming to see the players, you know, they, they had a nice group of guys: Opozo, Skinner, uh, Malcolm Subban. I'm forgetting one other guy. Owen Power. Owen Power. How, <laughs> how do I forget? I only forgot the guy who's going to be like in the running for the Calder <laughs> this year. That's all. Like, nope. Okay, I apologize for that one too. Uh, but they had those guys there, and like fans turned out for autographs like crazy, which was cool, uh, which was very neat to see. Uh, but I got talking to Chris and. <laughs> Chris, Chris is very funny. He goes, he goes, I got a beef with you. And I go, whoa, 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 whoa. What did I do? And he goes, he goes, you've been pronouncing somebody's name wrong this entire time you've been doing the show. And I go, what, what do you mean? Whose name am I saying wrong? He goes, it's Portillo, (laughs) Eric Portillo. And I go, it is. And he goes, he goes, yes, it's always been that. I go, I, somebody kept calling him Portillo and that's what I followed. He goes, he goes, it's literally never been how you pronounce his name. I'm like, <laughs> I was like, I, somebody lied to me then. I don't know who it was, but somebody led me down a path of pronouncing things wrong because I'm a nut that that stuff drives me crazy because my somehow my name, six letters, two syllables gets mispronounced constantly. Yarden. And it, Yarden, Yarden. Uh, never mind the misspellings, Verdon, Yerbin, like all these dumb things, Verbin, like, okay, that's not even close, <laughs> but, but like pronouncing a name wrong, that mortifies me. Like I, I used to call games in college, did some, you know, did some stuff post-college too. And getting guys names right is like my, like getting, if I get a name wrong, I like am mortified forever because, because, you know, if you're calling a game and you say it wrong, like. Families might be listening. Friends are listening. Like, dude, that guy didn't know how to say his name. What the hell? And I've seen what it is. And, you know, I've worked in radio and you mispronounce something like you get phone calls all day. We in Albany, we had a spot where we had a commercial where uh, it was like a nationally made ad and they pronounced Albany as Albany. Every time it aired, the phone rang off the hook. On, they say the name wrong. Tell them to fix it. And I was like, geez. Oh, like, yeah, I'll get right on it. Let me call the national office in Manhattan to tell them they're pronouncing the name of our city wrong. My bad. So so Chris tells me that I've been saying Eric Portillo wrong. So I will literally never say that incorrect ever, <laughs> ever again. So I, I just need to think Portillo's in Chicago with with Eric Portillo. Just think of think of the great hot dog place in Chicago and I'll be I'll. I'll be fine. 
So yeah, my sorry, Chris, I <laughs> I will not push that button anymore <laughs> unless I want to make it my bit where I just say it incorrect all the time. I was going to say that. Yeah, you can make it your bit, which is you see. <laughs> Some baseball announcer, you know, play-by-play guys. Some, some in hockey. If they're doing the visiting team, yeah, they're they're they don't care, and they're just going to lean into the fact they're getting those names wrong. I've heard a few um, hiccups in other podcasts this summer. I won't point them out, but mm-hmm. it also doesn't help, Joe. That sometimes we we don't get clarity early on on how some guys pronounce their name, like Kulik. Like right now, I'm going with Yuri Kulik because that's the last time, the last way he had pronounced it. But I've heard it so many different ways. So we're going to have to circle back to that one. For now, I'm saying Kulik. But uh, yeah. that's funny that Chris, that, uh, that Chris pointed that one out. There we go. He, uh, Chris did point out that they, they will have their own pronunciation guide that they're working on for us this year to make sure that this doesn't happen again. <laughs> <laughs> Especially like from morons like me with a podcast saying saying the name of one of the top prospects on the team's name incorrect. Oh my god. Like that that that's that it's it's funny, but it will sit in, it will sit in my brain and just chew me up for doing it wrong for like months at this point. We started this podcast in December. Christ's sake, it's nine months long and I've been saying the name wrong the entire time. Ah! Horrible. So anyway, yeah. So that, but yeah, it's, uh, yeah. So that was, that was, that was fun. That was fun to learn that. And plus, you know, if those who know Chris know that, like, he can just be like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> like, it's just, come on, man. So yeah, so that was, that was fun. But yeah, I must have turned white as a ghost when he when he told me that because I was just like, oh, my God, no, <laughs> that's that's like it's honestly one of my nightmares is to just be just to say something incorrect. I mean, pronounce something incorrect. I say wrong things constantly and that doesn't bother me. But saying somebody's name wrong, that bothers me. I, so, uh, I'm glad you were able to make it to that game. I was on my way back to Buffalo on saturday so i couldn't catch it but this is the first time since before the pandemic that the sabers players had a legitimate outing that brought fanfare if i'm not mistaken it's probably been since the 50th anniversary season all the all the festivities leading up to the fact so and obviously with mistakes in them (laughs) based on what you've told me and seeing some of the videos out there i mean what what were your thoughts on the turnout? Because it, it did surprise me. I mean, of course, I expected some, you know, some fans, at least a gathering, but for that many to show up, I think it was really good by the Sabres to add additional players, get Owen Power out there, and it, uh, it generates buzz, you know, at a time when I think a lot of the players on that team have, <laughs> well, I don't think, you know, I think, you know, I know that they've they've sort of, they've earned this, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's time, like when you get the, when you get the good feelings, you know, this is kind of the era of good feelings, at least until the next, you know, three game losing streak. But, um, but you got to seize the moment on that stuff. And like, honestly, this is the depressing part. Looking at the calendar, we're how many weeks away from like prospects challenge and then training camp is like a week after that. Yeah. Three weeks, two weeks. It's a a couple of weeks at this point. Oh my God. Yeah. So like this, it's the perfect time to like get people gassed up and ready for, for what's coming because there's going to be a lot more of that talk. Now I know a lot of fans probably won't pay attention to it because of the bills. I get it. I understand. But, um, but this was a, this was a great thing because, you know, Kyle's this Kyle Pozo is so great with this stuff. He he loves baseball. He loves wearing the hats most of all. <laughs> and like to, to the Bison's credit, they do really good with the hats. I even bought one of the ones this year. I don't, I literally don't know when I'll be able to wear it because not 
Saints. I don't wear Sabres gear ever. Like, I just don't. I have tons of jerseys, and I had a couple hats before before I even came out here. But I don't wear that stuff now because it's, it's weird. It's weird for me. It's not not weird for anybody else. It's weird for me to do that. But uh, but the hat was so cool. I was like, Jesus, I got to buy one. Okay, so I did. Um, but Kyle loves doing this stuff. You know, uh, Skinner threw out the first pitch. So that was cool. I know the guys were busting chops. Sabres have shared a couple of videos of you know some of the stuff you know with the guys up in the up in the box you know watching the game skinner being a pest to suban about making you know making the right hot dog and stuff like just things like that where yeah, it's just it was kind a great of video goofy. yeah it's goofy yeah. it's fun and yeah the turnout was was crazy uh, i usually there's not as many people at games where uh you know you can just go through the main gate and just you know cruise right through and you're good to go uh not that well not that night because the 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 line lineup to get in through that gate stretched up both sides of the sidewalk, both you know up the first and third base lines of the sidewalk there, which I was like, whoa, all right, people are fired up for this. That's cool. Now I don't know how many of them were in line for you know to, to get autographs and or were just kind of like this is the only entrance I know to get in the stadium. <laughs> um, but it was but but uh, getting inside though that now they had. The table of players, you know, it was all the Sabres players. There was a, there was a few Buttes players there as well, which was really cool to see. Um, they had them, you know, way back, way up the left field line, like, you know, towards the general mission sections, like very, all the way at the back. And the line to get to the table stretched all the way back to, to home plate, like just right down that hallway in the conference. Oh, wow. it, was, it was wild. It was a lot of people a lot of people that came in for autographs everybody you know lots of people wearing hockey jerseys even though it was you know hot out and you, know, you sweat you sweat your ass off being out there and that but um but yeah it was it was it was a great turnout and you know game was game was kind of fun to watch too you know there was a grand slam and geez couldn't ask for more but uh but yeah it was super turnout and people were pumped people are excited so it's an important time for players to to get out in the community when it comes to the Sabres, right? I, mm-hmm. I think back to early last season, just how many Eichel, Reinhardt, Ristolainen, all those jerseys, most of the jerseys you saw in the arena were for players who were no longer with the team. Slowly that changed throughout the season to the point where late in the year it was Cousins, Thompson, Darlene, it was all the new guys. And, these, you know, the players on this team, you know, you know both – Younger guys and the veterans are so good when it comes to, you know, talking to fans, talking to media that, you know, it's important. I think that that was a big piece of what the Bills did to generate a lot of interest and get, you know, it became a a team of the community again. You know, and I think the Sabres are aiming for the same, you know, to do the same thing, much like the the organization was back when the Knox family owned it. So, you know, it's interesting. I think the Prospects Challenge is going to bring – some buzz, Joe, and that leads us to our next topic. Yuri Kulik is going to be the one of the guys to watch a prospect challenge. Absolutely, after his performance at World Juniors, uh, your thoughts on what he was able to do at the tournament, and of course on the news that Sepp Ather, Appert told our friends over at ESPN Rochester that he expects Kulik to be in Rochester this season. The uh, Kulik's play at World Juniors was very strong. I thought um, he was, he was very much a thorn in the side of the United States in the, uh, in the knockout round. Uh, he even he scored the, uh, the empty netter that really iced the game for, for, for Czechia. Um, I, I thought he, I thought he looked great. You know, the checks were, 
I, you know, checks never really are any sort of favorite when it, when they get into these tournaments. Um, so I, seeing seeing them have the success that it, you know, obviously it comes at United States, you know, at, at, at United States hands. Um, it was it was very it was very encouraging to see him play that well. Uh, you know, the offensive numbers weren't crazy. Like he did well. Like he still racked up a few points, which is obviously good. Uh, the team was able to get into uh, the medal round. They don't. They didn't medal. I don't. No, they didn't medal. Uh, I don't think. I don't think they won bronze. I don't know. Shows how how closely I was really paying attention to the results of the tournament. All I know is Canada won in overtime, but um, but it was uh, it was a very encouraging tournament because th- these are the things that I'm that I was most interested in seeing out of him is these you know age on age competitions where you want to see how well he can do. And I, you know, he's still young compared to, you know, a handful of the guys that, that were playing in that tournament. Uh, Cause there's still, there's still a handful of guys that were, you know, that were 20, that they were, you know, eligible, uh, you know, back in December, and January, when they tried to play it the last time. So Cooley comes in as a guy who was just drafted and plays pretty well. I don't know, like that, that, that alone tells me that uh, Appert, believing that he's that Kulik's going to be in Rochester is is 100% the right move uh because because you know listen he, he spent all last year playing in the you know in the, in the extra liga and he was you know hanging hanging in there well with those guys you know he had the most points of a guy who was drafted since Martin Netchass and Netchass is a pretty good pretty good player in Carolina so uh so to me yeah, Kulik Kulik's fascinating and seeing him do do as well as he did this time around was was very encouraging and you know what I think he's still eligible for the one that comes around uh, in January, anyway. So he could he could be a, he could get a chance to to really show out again if you know if he's allowed to go. I really thought that the ice was tilted in Czech Republic's favor each time Kulik was on the ice. You know, he mm-hmm. wasn't didn't have the dominant offensive showing in terms of production that we saw at the under 18s when he was the MVP of the tournament, but he showed all. <laughs> All those tools that made him the, the Sabres, you know, final selection of the first round. Remember, they tried to trade up to 17 to pick him to go back to back with Oslin and, and Kulik. They wound up getting a 28 and have, they have to be encouraged by the early returns. Right. And it's not his game is more complete than I would have expected. Of course, you know, you, you see the, the explosiveness. You see how strong he is on the puck. But he also is extremely good defensively. When he did, when his line didn't have the puck at World Juniors, he was working to get it back, which is going to help him immensely when he makes the jump to the American League in the fall. And I know that this is inevitably going to lead people to ask, "Well, can he make the Sabers roster?" No, we don't expect him to make the Sabers roster for the obvious fact that there aren't roster spots up there to, for the Sabres right now. Of course, there's always the chance he can eventually get games if all goes according to plan. You know, he stays healthy and his uh, development is trending in the right direction. But this makes a ton of sense. If he wasn't going to go back to Czech Republic, you weren't going to send him to the, the QMJHL. That, would, that wouldn't help him. It would be a step back, mm-hmm. in my opinion. Now he yeah. can go to Rochester. He can play center. There's definitely a need down the middle there. And he'll play with some really good line mates. As much as the the Amherst looked like a, a young team last season, they're going to be even younger, which is a very very interesting layer to the development plan that Kevin Adams has laid out here. 
yeah. And the th- you mentioned his defensive play. If anything keeps him, keeps him, play, you know, not just being in Rochester, but playing big minutes, it's got to be that. Yes. That's always the, the biggest hill to overcome for younger players is that, you know, the leagues they come out of, for the most part, are, are ones where they are the dominant player. They're asked to carry all the offense. They don't necessarily have to play defense because they have the puck all the time. So they don't really have to do any, a lot of the back checking, you know, fighting to get the puck back. They don't have to do a lot of that stuff. Um, in Kulik's case, you play in a men's league. Well, A, you're not going to be the best player there. You know, B, you're, you're not going to get the minutes that you're looking for necessarily, you know, necessarily. <laughs> I can talk guys. It's fine. Um, so I, I, you know, listen, I, I've been hype on him since they picked him because to me, he's, you know, it was a steal to get him where they got him. And, you know, he's, he's, he's so well put together right now for, for, you know, for a guy, his age, like that's, it's really impressive. Now, I mean, you don't always want to just get these guys pressed right into action. I mean, you know, I, I think of, you know, obviously there are, Examples from the more recent past that sometimes sending a guy that young right into the AHL isn't always the right move. I mean, you know, Quinn had a really hard time doing it. That was, you know, COVID. I think COVID times is a little different. Weird little year. Different. That was a yeah, really yeah. weird season in so right. many ways. Uh, and the guy before that is Alex Nylander, where <sighs> that's a whole other. Yeah, it's a whole other different. Different player. I think that what what Kulik has it'll serve him well is the the compete the compete. He forechecks. He plays. He's not afraid to play a hard direct game, which is you know that's how that's how you you swim in the American League. You sink if you're a perimeter player who's not afraid to get to the dirty areas to score. We saw Quinn slowly develop his game. Not slowly, really. It was a, a flip of the switch after he came back to train. You know. From that injury, getting into training camp, getting healthy, and once he was on the ice in Rochester, yeah, he translated everything he learned from that first difficult year. And you know what? If it doesn't click right away for some of these guys, whether it be Kulik, Rosine, Kisikov, Cedarquist, it will have. You know, a lot of these guys they figure it out. It's a difficult lead to get adjusted to, but a big piece of that is, you know, what that not only do they have some good veterans there for younger players to learn from. You know, whether it be Sean Malone who will compete for a roster spot in Buffalo. You know, Riley Shea, and if he doesn't make the team, but they also have a good coaching staff, right? Seth Appert, you know, Michael Pekka, and and Mike Weber that uh, really help that transition because I mean Joe just a reminder people sort of lost track of what Rochester's going to have Yuri Kulik Isaac Rosine Alexander Kisikov Philip Cedarquist Linus Weisbach Lucas Rusak uh, Matej Picard once he's healthy Brandon Byro Brett Murray Sean Malone that's just at forward if you know and and if Quinn and Paterka end up in the NHL and on defense Lawrence Pilot Oscar Laxanen Chase Prisky, Casey Fitzgerald, well, no, Casey Fitzgerald will be in the NHL, but Kale Clegg, Jeremy Davies, Ethan Prowl, and then in goal, UPL and Malcolm Subban will be the likely duo there. So a very, very intriguing group down in Rochester. I'll be surprised if a chunk of the season ticket pace in Rochester is from Buffalo this season, because I'm sure a lot of Sabres fans are going to want to catch those games. Yeah, it's funny because I remember when the se- when their season ended last year, we were looking up and down the roster, going like, "Geez, they don't 
they don't have anybody that they yeah. have, like they have they're, they're gonna have no prospects they're gonna have to fill this team out with veterans it's gonna be like the old murray days i like because we weren't expecting so many of these guys to be like yeah no they're they're signed and they're coming over but oh okay like rosine i think I, I think it was more like a pipe dream idea that like yeah, maybe he'll come over but i don't know maybe they want to get more of them you know you'll get a better chance in sweden but after the way things went there it's like no no, no get him over here um and that you know kisikov like you know his contract was up in russia might as well come over cool all right and then you know cedarquist kind of the same uh, kind of the same thing i guess i mean he he didn't necessarily have to come over but i think it's better for him that he does um we're so right. used we're so used to you know general managers and i'm not even only speaking about the the previous ones in buffalo but elsewhere in the league who slow play it with with prospects when it comes to signing them and bringing them over maybe that that has to do with getting that entry level contract started and you know the trajectory to the nhl and the opportunity in the nhl isn't going to be available for a while but with buffalo with sort of the clean slate that kevin adams was able to start with at the beginning of last season there's a lot more. There's a lot more of an o- opening. There's more openings for guys to establish themselves and and really show that they're going to be part of the solution for the long term. Because I know as much as it seems like that NHL roster is sorted out, it's not. I mean, they're going to continue to evaluate and determine who's going to be part of this long term. And it's not going to be decided quickly because a lot of these younger players are going to need time in Rochester, juniors to come through the pipeline. But they're certainly in a much better spot now than they were a couple of years back. It's, you know, you look at the Rochester roster, we're going to talk about prospects challenges at a certain point, either this week or next. And yeah, it, it really, it's just going to be fascinating to track this in, in the next couple of years to see where guys settle in their roles and, you know, who ends up in Buffalo ultimately. Cause I don't, you know, it's the core that, you know, right now, I think there's you know going to be some changes on who's going to come in, who's going to go out, I would think. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about this going back to Kulik, all of his skills, all of his abilities. I have to imagine that having Mike, Michael Pekka as one of the coaches down there is, is a dream situation to have a guy with, with Kulik's tool set to be able to have coaching him, you know, be one of his coaches, you know, certainly Pekka is going to work with the forwards. That's, I mean, that's, that's what he does, but, um, but to have a guy like that to, to kind of show you the ropes and, and give you the idea of what to do, Holy smokes. Like that's that's such an advantage to have somebody who was an outstanding NHL player, uh, who who excelled at his defensive game, who was always the guy getting, you know, getting those those uh, those calls to get the big face off at the end or to help stop the uh to shut things down in the at the end of a game. Boy, oh boy, having having Kulik get get to pick, you know, to pick his brain and to to figure out what's what from what from him. That's a that's a nice little bonus. It's nice. That's a nice thing to be able to take advantage of. And we saw the what the work that Pekka did with JJ Paterka is just one of many examples last season, mm-hmm. and how complete Paterka's game became through his work with Pekka. Whether it be just details, right? It's it's defensive details. I recall Seth Apper telling the media back in the spring that Pekka once told. Uh, J.J. Paterka that his legs are his money makers, but they're not going to make you money if you only use them on offense. You have to use them on defense as well. And Paterka got that message. And Kulik, it's going to be winning faceoffs. It's going to be learning a complete game and learning how to create time and space and earn time and space on the smaller ice sheet. But, you know, there's a lot of different ways you can use him that's going to be – it's 
you know, Seth Appert's going to have a fun time coaching that team, I would imagine, with all that youth. And, of course, they made sure they brought back some some really good veterans. And Sean Malone, you know, Sean Malone, Ethan Brown's a great guy to have on the back end, too, to provide some stability on your second power play unit if one of your other guys isn't ready for that role. I uh, The only thing that had me – that makes me give pause to having a kid that young in the AHL is the size. You know, but he's six foot 180. That's not – too far off of being, you know, being like an, you know, uh, pr- an actual pro sized guy. Like that's not terribly far off. Yeah. My greater concern there would be Rosine and Kisikov. I really want to see what Kisikov looks like physically when camp, when prospects challenge begins. Cause I mean, we saw the, the height, we saw the height and weight of draft time. You see, you know, he didn't get the, to play many, you know, barely any games in the KHL last year. How's he going to stack up against pro players? Rosine sort of seemed to get worn down by the, his short time in the SHL last year, maybe hit a wall a little bit, which led to the decree down him not having a role at all at at that level. So Mm -hmm. yeah, bigger, stronger Rosine put in a really good off season. We saw that work really play out on the ice at world juniors. I thought he was great as well. Right. I thought that he was a spark for, for Sweden and showed that, he is very much still a first round talent. People kind of forgot about him after the injury and not getting to play much hockey last season, but he's still a player. Yeah. Rosine is Rosine's going to be a fascinating guy to watch. Uh, just because, just because, because of that unknown factor, just because of that, you know, we barely seen him play part of it. And, and yeah, the, the size Rosine's Rosine was not a big guy when they drafted him and, you know, I don't know, I know he looked a little bit bigger, a little stronger um, seeing him in this, in the, in the world juniors. So, I mean, that's, I mean, it's good, obviously that's, you can't, you can't come rolling into an AHL camp weighing, you know, 145, 150 pounds. Like that's just that, that ain't going to get it done, but um, it's, it's gonna, I mean, getting, getting bigger, stronger like that takes a little bit of time because you can't speed run that. You know, you try to speed run that, you're going to get yourself hurt. Like that's, that's just how that works. But, um, but yeah, that's, uh, yeah, I don't know, man. Like that's, it's, it's really interesting, but it's, it brings us to a, an in, another fun question. You mentioned the prospects challenge. We got that coming up soon. Uh, we don't have a roster yet, so we don't know who's going to be in it, which, you know, I mean, it's fine. That gives us time to kind of kick it around and, and, and think about, well, who's going to play? Because, you know, we're already thinking of, you know, who some of the guys are going to be with some of these other teams. Because, you know, we're already thinking, you know, Slavkowski showing up in town from Montreal. Like, that'll be fun. Um, you know, everybody you know, everybody brings a different smorgasbord of, of talent. Uh, Except for but, the Penguins who bring Well, I mean, listen, I, that's, <laughs> they don't even have I enough prospects to play more than one game. That's not that's not the current regime's fault though. That's, no, it's not. Know, Jim Rutherford gave away every single top sixty pick for, for you know, for every year that he was there. So I, which I mean, hey, listen, you won a couple of Stanley Cups, okay, fine, but, uh, but yeah, the yeah, Penguins, yeah, it's <laughs> listen, listen, somebody, somebody has to be the beatdown team, okay? Somebody has to be the one that that people line up against and go, yeah, we're gonna whoop up on them. That'll be that'll be fun. What's uh, the the Washington Generals? Are they the team? The <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> yes. The pet. Yeah. The penguins. Penguins. You know. All due respect, I guess. Uh, penguins prospects are definitely the. They're going to be the generals of this group because, 
Yeah, because Ottawa's going to bring a bunch of, they're going to have a bunch of young guys. Montreal's going to have a bunch of young guys. Sabres, obviously, a bunch of young guys. Um, Boston, Boston's coming again, right? Uh, yes, yes. You know, we know who's, you could generally predict who's going to be on the roster. There's always a couple of Cincinnati guys. You know, mm-hmm. there's a few returning Rochester players that, that you can imagine will be there. But remember, a reminder to everybody out there, NCAA players will not be at the Prospects Challenge because of the timing. You won't get a lot of European play- The guys who are playing in European leagues, their seasons are already – they're already playing exhibition games over there. So Noah Oslin won't, won't be there. But, you know, Yuri Kulik, you know, expect him to be there. Matthew Savoy. Expect him to be there since that's the Western Hockey League. Those guys, the Canadian Hockey League guys, they can all play in a, in a competition like this. So, Joe, based on who we sort of expect to be there, who are you most looking forward to, to watching during now, the event? It would be very easy to pick out one of the bigger names. It would be very easy to be like, oh, I want to see Savoy. I want to see what he does. Okay, listen, I, everybody <laughs> everybody wants to see him. I, you know, okay, that's fine. Cool. I, I want to see you. Cool. Yeah. Again, Everybody, so, we, we know, like, these are the guys that are easy to pick from. I'm not an easy pickings guy. I, I do want to see Josh Bloom, though, because Bloom signed last year. Um, and I'll be honest, I haven't watched a ton of them in juniors. Uh, it, I mean, it's a little tougher for us to watch junior hockey here. Uh, it, it's just, it's very difficult, especially when, you know, when you're tied up watching everything else NHL and AHL wise, it's just like, there's not enough hours in the day, but uh, I'd be, I'm really curious because Bloom is signed and he's going to be in Rochester at the end of the season. I would imagine health pending and seasons pending and whatnot. But, uh, but I'm very curious to watch how he fits in. Cause I want to see where his game's at. I want to see how he fits into uh, the roles that they have an idea for him to play. Uh, and, I don't know. There's some something about him that is very intriguing to me. And I don't know if it's just the, you know, the kind of, you know, it's not really a mystery factor, but just kind of like the, uh, the under the radar factor. It's, these are the guys that I always end up picking out as somebody that's like, not a lot of people are paying attention to. They're just kind of lurking out there. Just kind of like, yeah, I want to see what that guy's about. I already know what these bigger name guys are about. I want to see what these guys can do. Bloom is a good pick. I think, you know, based on, a scout I spoke to who covers the OHL for an NHL team. The projection there now is he could be a really good third line player in the NHL. He can score. He, he showed his skating last year. He can kill penalties, really well-rounded game. He's going to put up big numbers in Saginaw this year. That team's going to be good. That that's mm-hmm. going to be a very fun uh, OHL team. So perfect timing for him to get one last go around with the spirit and then turn pro. Uh, I was going to pick Alexander Kisikov. I guess that's sort of an easy, an easy one since we haven't seen him against particularly pro players in any way, you know, mm-hmm. on a decent stage. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna go a different route here, Joe. I'm gonna go with Philip Cedarquist. He will like be that. there, from what I've been told. That no immigration issues. Of course, he signed his entry level contract with the Sabers. 22 years old, a fifth round pick in 2019. Coming off two really promising seasons in the Swedish Hockey League last season with Jurgarden, 14 goals, 32 points in 49 games. Now, he's a guy that as an underager played, got some games in the SHL at a very young age, seemed to hit a wall after he got drafted by the Sabres in 2019, but has found his way back. I would, we didn't get to see him at, at development camp. I want to see him at prospects challenge how he 
competes. I mean, as an older guy, as a 22 year old, when you're facing, you know, if you're on the ice against somebody like Rosine, are you winning your puck battles? What's his de- the details in his game going to be like? Cedarquist is just a really an intriguing player. I, I, I'm really fascinated to see how he fits with the Amerks and how he looks not only in, in prospect challenge, but once training camp begins, you know, stack him, stack up his skills against, you know, some of these guys who we know are going to be in the NHL. See that you, you, you played it right out of the same, the same, yeah, you know, strategy book as I did, you know, it's like a guy, you know, guys that we've heard about guys that we've, you know, that we know about that have been around for a little bit. And it's like, yeah, but I want to see what they look like in person. I need to see what that game looks like, you know, seeing the numbers on paper, one thing, but I want to see how it translate translates going up against other guys in the same, you know, in the same sort of situation. Yeah. Like peer, like, you know, going into the, into the development camp, I, I know that I mentioned Rosine is a guy I want to see because of how's he look against his peers. Now we've seen Rosine against his peers. We've seen, you know, Yuri Kulik do it at world juniors. Now Cedar Quist, you know, being even in the Swedish hockey league, playing against a lot of older players, guys who are experienced, um, little bit different, but of course, I mean, Joe, admittedly, I wasn't able to watch a whole lot of your gardens last season. So <laughs> what? Uh, what do you to, mean? Get, to get him in a camp like this in this environment, and like, this is just so different than development camp development camp. You know, you have the three on three tournament at the end, the practices are structured a little differently. There's a, a, an evaluation piece to it as well. Trying to just get guys to, you know, show their skill and, you know, play it a little bit more wide open in the practices. Whereas in Prospects Challenge, it's physical. Those games are physical. We saw Samuelson get hurt blocking a shot last year. Every year, I mean, Picard's fought in these before. I believe Brett Murray might have as well. So these these can get pretty heated. And uh, I'd like to see how Cedarquist, at, at 22 years old, coming over for the first time, how he looks on the smaller ice sheet and – you know, probably going to be on a line, I would think, with some really talented guys. So how do those pieces fit together? Yeah, and him being 22 makes him probably one of the older guys there, too. I mean, that's... Yeah, I would think the the only, like, older Rochester guy I can think of, just in terms of age, would be Weisbach. I would think that he would probably be there. He missed time last season in the playoffs with that injury, which, you know, good to see him back on the ice in development camp because that was a nasty hit in the first game against against Belleville, if I'm not mistaken, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So to have him back, I would think that he would be involved because, you know, he could use the reps. And that's a guy that, just a reminder, Weisbach, Weisbach was around NHL camp for a while. He looked good. So I'm, that's a, a guy that we probably don't talk about enough. He had a nice season, you know, with the Amherst last year. It's uh, guys like that that you kind of forget about makes it makes it more fun because then you see him, you're like, oh, right, that guy. I forgot about that guy. And then that guy, you know, if he takes off and you're like, wow, it, it feels like found found treasure uh or found money whatever however you want to put the, the crappy cliche but it, it feels like it feels like you know you know a dollar that you found on the ground like, oh wow neat cool i forgot we had that guy you could uh, tell he, you could tell he showed up well coached which you know i'm not just saying that because the sabers coach is the brother of wisconsin's coach <laughs> but <laughs> i think tony granado usually does a really you know a really good job getting his guys ready for that jump he uh I think Weisbach was there. Well, I mean, he obviously did four years. Was it Granada? I don't. Was it was it Granada all four years? Did he have Mike Eves maybe his freshman year? I think he had Mike Eves his freshman year. I, I believe that Granada was just involved in the recruiting aspect of it. I think okay. maybe they met. They crossed paths, but I, you know, I, I don't think that they you know, were together at right. any point in time. Yeah. No, that was. Uh, yeah, I mean, he did very well at Wisconsin. I, I, I think the, the concern with Weisbach was always like. 
Okay, he stayed all four years. You know, if they wanted to sign him, they could have done it at any point. He probably would have jumped at the chance. Him staying all all four years in Wisconsin, though, worked great for him because he was able to play some really key minutes, play some key situations, and really show what he could do instead of looking like he was mooching off of, you know, you know bigger talent. You know, Alex Turcott was there for a year. And it's kind of like, oh, well, you know, of course, Weisbach's got the big numbers. He's playing with Turcott, blah, blah, blah. You know, it's the old it's the old Evan Rodriguez thing, you know? Yeah, and he was limites with Cole Caulfield for a bit, too. Yeah. God, I forgot he was at Wisconsin, too. How do I forget yeah. that? I don't forget that guy was at Wisconsin for crying out loud, but yeah, yeah, it's it, you know, you, you get that rub off from you know from playing with those guys, and you, you know sometimes you get overlooked for it, and it, I, I, I guess we can call that being Rodriguez, because I, I, <laughs> Evan was a really good, really good player anyways, and then Jack shows up, and then suddenly he's putting up you know twenty more points in a season, and everybody's like, oh, see, Jack shows improved all these guys and. Talk to Evan about that. He'll, he'll tell. He'll let you know. He's like, dude, I was good already. Like, it was nice. You know, it was nice to play with Jack. But like, geez, man, I was, I was already putting up numbers. Leave me alone. Like, okay, right, that's fair. That's fair. But yeah. Speaking of prospects challenge, another player that, of course, is an, another one to watch is Tyson Kozak, Joe, nineteen-year-old uh, center, seventh-round draft pick in twenty twenty-one, and the news of the week, he signed his entry-level contract, which. Shouldn't surprise us considering he was really, really good at development camp. And I don't know if you, if, you know, I'm sure some people missed this, but when Michael Pekka spoke to the media, he was asked about Kozak. And he basically said that definitely didn't look like a seventh round pick on the ice. Looks like a guy who's drafted much, much higher. And he's somebody the development staff had spoken about frequently throughout this season. And just a reminder that this past year, Kozak, 32 goals, 69 points in 66 games for Portland, which had a heck of a season. He added five points in the playoffs. And he was one of those guys who slipped in the draft because, remember, the Western Hockey League wasn't able to have a 2020-21 season. He only got 18 games in, right? They played in the bubble, yeah. weird year. So team, you know, the Sabre scouts, scouts across the league, only had film on this kid from when he was 16 years old, you know, as a first-year player in Portland. So just like Josh Bloom, his draft stock probably took a little bit of a hit. Well, it took a big hit in Kozak's case and the Sabres, you know, it looks like they found a really, a really good player here with some nice upside. Not only that, but he was, I believe he was co-captain in Portland as well last season. If, yep. I'm, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken. Um, imagine a, a team being able to pull out, now, this is obviously putting the cart way ahead of the horse. I mean, putting the cart way the, way the hell down the road, and the horse is just kind of hanging out. Um, <laughs> but imagine Kozak turns into an NHLer, and then suddenly you got a team that's got two seventh-rounders. People are going to be like, Buffalo's the new Red Wings. This is how it is. Like, you just keep finding guys. I'm like, I mean, that'd be cool. But the fact that he was a seventh-rounder and he's putting up those kinds of numbers, you can't help but think, like, geez, maybe they got something here. Maybe this is maybe this is a guy that's just, you know, slightly late developing development curve. Or just like you mentioned, you know, WHL had to take off for a year. And nobody, you know, that's a, it's a key year for, for development and showing, you know, showing what he can do. That's kind of that's kind of how, the, like, those couple of drafts there are going to be – you're going to probably have a lot more stories – of guys going deeper in the draft that suddenly are like, wow, I can't believe this guy went in the sixth round. It's like, well, yeah, I can believe it. And, you know, in Kozak's case, it's the seventh round, but geez, man, like 30 plus goals, almost 70 points. That's, 
It's impressive. WHL is a tough league. Yeah, and beyond the production, it's the way he plays the game, too. He is miserable to play against. Puck battles, <laughs> wins face-offs. To quote Phil Housley, the checking detail is there with, with, oh, with Tyson no. Kozak. But I mean, these are the types of players, right? Throughout previous regimes, the Sabres didn't hit enough in the later rounds. Now it's way too soon to say that they hit on this pick, but his trajectory, the development curve is where exactly where they want to be at. And too many times in recent past that that hasn't been the case, right? I mean, the Sabres have passed on signing second round picks. They passed on signing guys that should be what you would think surefire NHL players. Well, that's not always the case. So to, to get, players in the seventh round, this goes back to 2000, you know, I'm not even going to go all the way back to Olsen, but think back to 2019 when they got Lucas Rusek in the sixth round. Like you, you got to hit on those later rounds to get useful players to fill out your depth, especially with where the salary cap is and where we ultimately think it's going to be, which is not much higher than it is in the moment. See, it's funny you mentioned Housley because I was think I thought of another Phil-ism uh, in talking about Kulik. <laughs> uh, and it was not, checking detail it was not uh shot mentality it was neither of those things it was plays like a dog like a dog on a bone oh yeah which, which is one of my favorite phil ones because it makes sense and a lot of people look at it and go like what the hell does that mean it's like well think about it just for five seconds and kozak is, is that sort of guy if he's miserable to play against like that's that's great like they want guys that can just that just are puck hounds and they want to get at it and they want to bug the garbage out of you. Like just, and you don't even need to be an agitator. Just playing that sort of way is going to make people just be like, get off me, dude, just get away. Just knock it off. Leave me alone. Like that stuff is enough. Just, just to be, you're, you can be a pest just by doing your job like that in hockey. You know, it wasn't long ago. We were, you know, we didn't have the podcast yet, so we can't take credit for this, but a lot of the talk around the Sabres was, not enough centers, right? Eichel was on his way out of town. Sam Reinhart was on his way out of town. You look at the pipeline at that point. It was Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestead, and not a whole lot else at that position now. Yeah. Tage Thompson, Dylan Cousins, Casey Middlestead, Peyton Krebs, uh, Yuri Kulik, Noah Osland, Matthew Savoy. Like mm-hmm. They are very, very deep down the middle, and those players can – many of them can shift over the wing. Right. So there are a lot of options here. And now a, a big test is how to, how to, where do they go with this now? Right. I mean, of course, you have to continue to develop, but, you know, f- figuring out where all the pieces fit is going to be a fascinating process to monitor here. Yeah. The, uh, th- that might be something for folks in our position to be able to try to explore what, what, you know, what the, uh, what, what do they look for to decide between a guy being a center and a winger? You know, like what sort of things are, or at least I know it could be different team to team, coach to coach, whatever, but what do they, you know, what does Buffalo look for out of that? I'm sure it would probably lead to answers. just like, well, you know, we just got, we want guys that can play. I think Don Granado would give a much, a a very calculated answer. And if anyone can make that call, it's obviously him. He was right. He was bang on about Tage Thompson being able to switch there when even some of Tage's teammates wondered like, how is this going to work, right? Yeah. And yeah, now Tage is on his way to earning himself a, a really nice deal. And the Sabres, through some some you know difficult seasons and some very difficult trades, have got themselves to a really nice point that they've got some 
they've got some riches down the middle. Now it's it's where everybody fits. And Kozak, hey, credit to him. I think I agree with you 100%. Out of that draft in particular, the 2021, we're going to see some crazy – like you're, we're going to – like re-ranking those players 10 years from now is going to be fascinating because it's not going to be as uh, – as close as some of the other drafts that we've seen, right? Yeah, those those look back redrafts like five years afterwards, although some places are doing them a year afterwards. And I'm like, yeah, or two or three. How do you years. know already? Uh, Come you on. Gotta, you got to wait. Joe, that reminds me of the what is this team's roster going to look like in 2026? Like, yes. <laughs> Come on, I, I know it's the summer, people. Though, you know? <laughs> cool. You can't do that. You can't do that. No, you know what? You're playing on a hard mode if you do that with the Sabres now. Yeah, good luck. Good luck. There's one guy under contract for 26-27 right now. Think about if you tried to do that in 2018-19, where <laughs> what your Sabres roster five years from now would have looked like. Dominic Cahoon is the second line center. I'm pretty sure I wrote that story. Well, that's 2019-20, but still. Like, looking at, or may, well, it may have been uh, John. That was usually John's territory to do those kinds of stories. Looking at, like, what the team will be in five years and projecting, like, what's going to happen. And it's like, I don't know. But, yeah, you just can't to, do it. It's just, no, no. It, it's, it's, I don't know. It's, I'm sure it's, it's a fun exercise for some people to read, or it might even be fun for some people to put together, but yeah impossible we see how how quickly things change in this league you think the calgary flames were sitting there a couple months ago thinking they'd have mackenzie Weger, jonathan huberto and nazem godry it's just yeah yeah craziness that's uh, probably, that's what makes it fun now if you ask them that they probably think well like, wow it sounds like we have to give up matthew kachuk to make that happen and maybe johnny gaudreau like funny you say that <laughs> funny, it's, funny you say that that's how that exactly works but I never want to wish the way the summer, but it's uh, I'm very much looking forward to the season for a number of reasons. And a, mm-hmm. a big piece of that is just how many changes we've seen around the league. Right. And that yeah. it's happening year after year because GMs are getting more and more aggressive and the salary caps not moving. So yeah. you got to get creative. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, like, <laughs> like uh, trading for Shea Weber's contract to try to give you LTIR space when you're the Vegas Golden Knights or, yeah. you know, or add some other guy that you could just dump on LTIR. Like, how does Vegas not trade for Carey Price's contract too? Just to be like, oh no, just listen, free up twenty million for us. It'll be trade for Carey Price and try to convince him to play goal for them. I don't think yeah. Vegas has anybody else to do that at the moment. Yeah, that's big facts. Big facts. But you know what? You know what, Lance? When we start talking about other teams, that's usually our sign. Yeah, to, uh, yeah. To put a bow on things. Um, yeah, especially when it comes to Vegas. Literally nobody in Buffalo wants to hear anything, you know, about Vegas. Like, oh, poor Vegas. Nobody Fair. wants to hear that. Unless it's, you know, m- making fun of how they design the Jack Eichel giveaway that they're doing in October, which, holy smokes, man. I've never seen a worse. Well, no, I have. I Those are hilarious. I don't even know why teams try it. It's like... <laughs> It's like there's a company out there with three templates of, of heads that they use for these things. I'm like, I'll oh, just change the teeth a little bit here and I'll move the ears. And yeah, that's him. <laughs> that works. I, nobody knows what these guys look like anyways. Uh, whatever. They got helmets on. That's fine. It's no one no one knows what they look no what does a hockey player even look like? I don't know. Maybe maybe they look like maybe they look like dogs. I don't know. Maybe 
maybe they're just faceless creatures. I don't know, but just put whatever you want on there. We'll put it out. People eat it up. And oh my God, it's <laughs> buddy. Of mine's a big Vegas fan and I'm hoping that he's going to be out there around when that game's going to happen. I'd be like, dude, you got to get me one. I, I need it. I need it bad just so I can like look at it and just show it off to people. Like bring it to a party and be like, guys, look, I got one. You probably don't even need a ticket to the game. Just go hang outside the arena. There's going to be someone trash can. Those things look ridiculous. (laughs) Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. I love crappy giveaway. Well, giveaways that are supposed to be huge and cool and good. And they end up just the antithesis of that. Just completely insane. Cause that there is no other word for that to describe it other than insane it's so good it's so bad it's it's the room of giveaways is what that is it's so bad it's unbelievably good well now that i've mentioned the room we lance we, we should we should really wrap this up yeah um, let's do the it people have been waiting very very you know very patiently for us to to talk about these things and we we can't really take them that far off the rails when when people have been waiting for this uh anyway um <laughs> lance uh let the good people at home know where they can find you on the internet. Oh, thanks, Jill. On Twitter, L L Y S O W S K I. And my work could be read in the Buffalo News, you know, in print and online. I'm currently on quote unquote vacation. So I won't mm-hmm. be back to work until the 29th. So, but then I'm back at it for for the stretch run throughout the season. So just getting some getting some downtime before all the craziness begins. But uh can't wait. Joe, what about you? The stretch run of the, the the of the entire season. The stre- <laughs> I'm in for it's the like stretch 90. run of the of the entire yeah. 82 game season. Yeah, oh, that's depressing to hear. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, you, well, you can find me online uh, at tw- on Twitter at Joe Yerdon, J O E Y E R D O N. Please spell it right and pronounce it correctly. By my God, please do that. Otherwise, I don't know who you're going to find on Twitter. Uh, you can also find my work at Bleacher Report. Lots of fun going on there. Uh, you can find me at Noted Hockey. Uh, where else am I forgetting? Uh, the McKean yearbook is coming out soon. Uh, I'm sure I'll be promoting the garbage out of that. I'm writing the Sabres uh, player previews for that, uh, as well as a few other teams, too. So uh, thanks, Lance. Uh, better late than never, for sure, with this one. And uh, we will catch everybody again next week. 